when you were in your school days and your teacher would announce that there was going to be a group project, what sound did you make? <laughs> Interesting. I heard a lot of groans. A lot of groans. Let me, let me just hear, I want to hear whatever noise you made. Let me hear it one more time. Okay, I heard, that's like 99% groans, but I heard a couple of yays, a couple of, just raise your hand if, you're, if you groan on the, on the group project. All right, raise your hand if you, if you cheer. Okay, those of us, I like the group project, those of us raising our hands for cheering might want to consider if we are the reason everyone else is groaning. <laughs> because what would happen to every group project that you were ever a part of, did everyone pull their fair share of the load? No. no, they did not. No, they did not. Because every group project we've ever been a part of, there's like one or two people that were the workhorses that did everything, right? But everybody else signed their name to it. Am I right? How many of you have ever been driving on the freeway and you enter a construction zone? You know where I'm going with this, right? Three lanes become two lanes, become one lane, and it takes you a very long time to get up to the construction zone. And then we all, uh, experts in road construction that we are, we note that there's one guy with a shovel working hard and 10 people eating a sandwich supervising. <laughs> Am I right? You've seen this, right? The dangers of a group project. Today's theme in the book of Proverbs that we are studying is work. We are studying what the Proverbs say about work. And they say an awful lot about work. Now, I just want to make a couple of notes right off the bat before we dive in. There's a lot of scripture. I'm going to take you through a lot of scripture today. First is you will note if you are a student of Proverbs, there are quite a lot of uh, quite a lot to, to be said in the book of Proverbs about uh, fairness and honesty in our work. Uh, that's not our theme today. As I categorize the Proverbs, I took the the Proverbs about um, uh, fairness and honesty, truthfulness um, in work, and put them in other weeks, such as what we do with our words and and things like that. Uh, today, we are focusing specifically on what the Proverbs say about good old-fashioned, roll up your sleeves, elbow grease, get your hands dirty, nose to the grindstone, work. Now, second note I want to give you before we dive in, some of you are already hardworking people. And you are maybe bordering on being workaholics. And the sermon that you need to hear is about Sabbath. Right? Some of you don't need to hear a sermon about working hard. You need to chill out. And you need to just take a day off. And you need to rest and recover and not work all through the night. Okay? If that's you, just note. A Sabbath sermon will come at some point in the future. Today, we're looking at the Proverbs that say 
that we should work hard that explore the way that our hard work actually is, is dignified, it's honorable, and it makes a significant contribution to the people around us. Another note that I want to make at the outset of our study is that pro- the Proverbs do not differentiate between spiritual work and secular work. Now, we often do that in our thinking, and kind of, kind, of, kind of modern Western thought has been invaded with something called dualism. We, we, we separate physical and spiritual as though, as though they are uh, separate ideas. But, but the Old Testament, the, the, the Bible does not have this way of thinking, and so there's no differentiation between spiritual work and secular work. So, for example, if you are a youth group volunteer, you work with kids, you work with youth, or you are a life group leader in this church, or you're an usher or you're a greeter, you may tend to think, well, that's my spiritual work. And then Monday through Friday, I just, I just have a job. I just have, I just have a job. It's just kind of, it's not spiritual work. But the Proverbs would say it's all spiritual. There's no separation of our work life and our spiritual life. Whether you're leading a Bible study or you're fixing a leaky pipe, it's all good it's all honorable, and it's all spiritual. There's a huge percentage of our waking hours that we are engaged in some kind of work. For many of you, that is your job. For others of you, you might be a student, and that is your studies. Some of you are caregivers, and that is the care that you give. But we're going to think about what is it that we do with our time? How do we provide for our families? How do we offer some kind of good to our society? How does our sweat and our toil enrich other people's lives in some way? The Bible is very clear that God wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the Proverbs make it concrete on how do we love people with our hands and with our sweat and with our minds and our time. We see a reflection of this in the New Testament in Colossians 3.23, when it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not men. So we're thinking today about the honor, the integrity, and the importance of working hard. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we just pray you'd open the scripture to our hearts, our minds, and our lives. We just pray that, um, that you would help us to, to hear from you, to study, to understand, and, uh, and to be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter, could you grab me my water? Grab real quick. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, the first thing we're going to look at... Uh, is a character in, uh, the, in the Proverbs called the sluggard, okay? The sluggard. Now, the sluggard is the comic relief of the book of Proverbs. Uh, there's going to be a whole lot of verses that talk about the sluggard, and they do it with a sense of humor. Uh, we have, we don't use the word, how many people have used the word sluggard this week? Anybody? You know, you know why? Because we've invented a new version, and we call it what? 
What was it? I don't know what you said, but the word I thought of was a, sl- a slacker, right? So anytime when I say the word sluggard, we read the sluggard, just think slacker. Sluggard and slacker are synonymous, right? And the sluggard is the comedic relief about the Proverbs. It's the person that you do not want in your group project because they're not going to carry the load, right? You've all been in a class and they're assigned the groups and you're like, oh, don't give me Joey. Don't give me, oh, dang, it's always Joey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they show up late. They're unprepared. They shrug off their responsibility. They're the person on your sports team that walks the lap instead of runs it and never gives it their best effort. They're the student who doesn't study. They're the worker who doesn't work. And the sluggard is, 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 a, is, is a comical character in the Proverbs. I'm going to do my best to show you the humor in the book of Proverbs in regards to the sluggard. But I just want to do as a precursor that these are jokes written 3,000 years ago in Hebrew. So they're not necessarily going to always translate perfectly into our culture. But I, I think you're going to get a taste. I think you're going to, I think you're going to see some of this humor. We're going to start with Proverbs 26, verse 13. A sluggard or a slacker says, uh, there, there, there's, there's a lion in the road, a, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on its bed. Okay, let me try to show you why this is funny. Okay. Now, note that it doesn't say a coward says there's a lion in the road. It doesn't say a prudent person says the lion is in the road. It doesn't say an observant person is the one who noticed that there happens to be a lion in the road. No, why is it the sluggard who mentions the lion? Well, it's because there's not a lion. There's no lion there. He just made up a ridiculous excuse not to go to work. Okay, this is just like the slacker who calls the boss and says, hey, I'm going to be late to work today because... um, Blah, 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 whatever he says, right? Because there's a lion and I can't go. I'll be into work as soon as the lion moves away from the door. The door hinge, it talks about the door hinge. So there's, a, there's a, uh, someone sleeping in their bed and, and it's like someone's watching them. It's like, do you think he's gonna get up and go to work today? You know, is, is, I won't say Joe again. Is Bob, is Bob, is Bob gonna get up and go to work today? And you're, you're watching him and you're like, oh look, he's, he's getting up, he's getting up. Oh no, 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 he just rolled over to the other side. Okay, this time he's finally going to work. No, 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 no. He just rolled up. He's like a door hinge. He just, he's like, he just kind of back and forth, back and forth, never going to go to work. This is the sluggard. Now, I've never been a morning person. Am I right, family? I am not a morning person. I am a severe night owl. Mornings, I wake up groggy. It takes me a while to get my brain moving. And this was particularly true when I was a teenager. Any teenagers say amen? Okay, I know, I know, some of you. Uh, Now, when I was a teenager, uh, I really wanted to just stay in my bed and sleep. And my mom really wanted me to go to school. And so there was this epic battle uh, every morning. Would I get up? and get my butt into the car so I could be transported and not make anyone else late, okay? And so there was this epic battle that would ensue and it would, she would have different strategies every morning. Sometimes it would just flip on the light or turn on the radio 
Sometimes I would wake up to a wet washcloth in my face. Sometimes I would wake up to my dog licking something off of my nose. Uh, my mom was very creative in figuring out how to get me up. I came across a, um, uh, some proverbs that would have been useful to my mom, and so I wanted to commend to you, any of you that have teenagers living in your home that's hard for you to wake up, I have this idea for you, okay? The following verse could be their alarm clock. You could record your voice uh, or even my voice saying this very loudly and imagine making it a ringtone and putting it in their room and this is what they wake up to. Are you ready? This is Proverbs 6, 9. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. I'd be like, I'm going to school. I'm going to school, Mom. I'm awake. I'm awake, right? If you don't wake up now, you're going to be poor and hungry your whole life, right? It's like, whoa. But it points out to us a problem. The, 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 the sluggard has a number of problems, and we see one of the problems here in this verse. The sluggard struggles to begin things. The sluggard will not begin things. Always just laying in bed, always waiting for tomorrow, tomorrow. Oh, later, 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 right? The sluggard struggles to begin things. The second problem that the sluggard has is the sluggard also will not finish things, okay? Now, this next scripture that talks about not finishing things this one's hilarious. This one, just, just wait till you see this one. I shouldn't have said that because now you're going to be like, wow, I didn't live up to the height. But check it out. Okay. 1924. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish and he will not even bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> All right. Now, if you, now let me try to explain this. He says, says he's so lazy. He's like, you know what? He's at, he's at a meal and he's pretty hungry. He thinks, you know what? Those grapes look pretty good. I think I'd like to eat some of those grapes. And he reaches his hand to the bowl of grapes and he gets, the, the, he gets them in his hand and he's like, oh, it's gonna take so much energy to bring my hand back to my mouth. Oh, I just, oh, can't, I can't do that right now. I'm just gonna leave my hand there. I'm just, I'm just gonna leave my hand in the grape bowl because it's so much energy to bring it back to my mouth, right? It's pretty funny, but do you know anyone like that? Are you someone like that? I won't name names because it's me. But in my house, sometimes a certain person uh, is clearing a plate and is supposed to put it in the dishwasher. Sometimes it doesn't quite make it all the way into the dishwasher, just next to the dishwasher. Why can't he just put it in the dishwasher? Well, that's me, so sorry. Anyway. <laughs> but we do such things, right? But the sluggard struggles to begin things, the sluggard struggles to finish what they've started. And then finally, the sluggard also will not face hard things. Will not face hard things. They hit an obstacle and they make excuses. There's actually multiple times where the sluggard makes excuses about a lion prowling around. But I want to show you, uh, we'll go down to 20 verse 4. This one's pretty good. The sluggards do not plow in season. The sluggards do not plow in seasons. So with the harvest, they look, but they find nothing. Now picture this. That means all the farmers at the appropriate time of the year, they all get out their plows and they work the ground. But when they're working the ground with their plows, what's the sluggard doing? They're sleeping. When they're planting the seeds, 
and covering them up and whatever kind of watering or fertilizing, whatever, doing all the work of the planting, what's the slugger doing? So then when it comes later in the year for the harvest time, all the hardworking people who planted seeds in their fields are out there reaping. And guess what? That's when the sluggard wakes up and runs outside and checks for crops in his unplanted field. It's like, wait, where's mine? Where's mine? And all the other farmers are like, oh my goodness gracious, right? He will not face the reality that you reap what you sow will not face the reality that he must plow in order to reap. And so the sluggard is slow to begin things, slow to finish things, and reluctant to face hard things. And the accumulation of that, of that laziness, that unwilling to, to face things or finish, it results in the sluggard being useless and restless. Useless and restless. We'll start with the useless. It says, uh, 1026, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. Those who send them refers to those who employ them, meaning you have hired an employee or say a contractor to, to, to do something and then you find them after you've hired them and to just be really lazy and they never get around to doing the thing that you hired them to do. Well, that's kind of annoying like vinegar on your teeth or smoke in your eyes. Look at verse 21-25. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. There's a lot of things going on in that scripture, so let me, let me try to take it apart. It says the appetite of the sluggard is not less because they've worked less. They, they still want to eat and they still want to acquire possessions and consume goods, but they don't want to earn them. They just want to eat them. Their stomach is bigger than their work ethic. And that becomes their downfall. Nobody wants to employ a slacker. Nobody wants a slacker in their group project. While this is addressed with, with some humor in Proverbs, it's also a serious problem in society. A slacker or sluggard in the workplace or in a family or a team can bring down the whole team. I said that at the beginning, our work is spiritual. So how is our laziness or our non-work a spiritual issue? And that's because it affects people. We are called as Christians to love people with our words and with our deeds. And when we are lazy, slothful, slacker sluggards, we are hurting ourselves, yes, but we're also hurting the team. We're hurting people around us. And we have nothing then to share with those in need. There's a really interesting contrast at the end of this section that's talking about this, where it just brings in the righteous, the behavior of the righteous. And what I think is most interesting about it is it's not the contrast that I would expect. The contrast in reading it that I would expect is, is something like this. Um, it, it would say, 
um, the slackers don't work, and so they don't have, but the righteous people work, and so they do have. The slacker doesn't work and so goes hungry, but the righteous person is very, very full. Like that's kind of, wouldn't that, wouldn't that seem like kind of the two opposites? But the contrast that's made in Proverbs and elsewhere in Scripture is much bigger. It's, it's a much bigger contrast than simply you don't work so you don't have, or you work and you do have. There's, there's a much bigger point being made in Proverbs. I find it really inspirational. It says that the righteous give without sparing. The righteous give without sparing. So the slacker has a stomach bigger than his work ethic. But the righteous person has a work ethic bigger than their stomach so that they give away to other people. They have a work ethic bigger than their desire to acquire possessions, and so they end up with extra that they can give away to people who need them. There's a great parallel to this in the New Testament. This is one of my, one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament because of this dramatic um, uh, this dramatic contrast. Uh, Ephesians 4.28. It says, anyone who has been stealing, so as opposed to just been slacking, this is, this is a particular one about stealing. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Does it say, so they can have all they want? No, it says, so they may have something to share with those in need. It doesn't just say stop stealing because stealing is wrong. It doesn't call, just call us to convert from being thieves to being non-thieves. It tells us our hands were made for a purpose. Our hands were made to do meaningful work that blesses other people, that earns so that we have the capacity to give and to care for other people people. God does not convert thieves to non-thieves. God converts thieves to generous, hardworking givers. God does not convert slackers to hardworking consumers. God converts slackers to hardworking, generous givers that care for the people around them. To me, that's a much more inspirational conversion. It's not just converting me from someone who's all about me by taking to someone who's still all about me by consuming. It becomes, I get to become someone who's not all about me, but is about people around me. And I find that to be profound. Now, in the book of Proverbs, the strongest contrast we have to this character, this comedic character of, of the sluggard, is what we have in, 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 the, in the finale of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 31, we see the embodiment of wisdom in a human being. And she is exactly the opposite of the sluggard. And while we're all laughing and joking about how lazy the sluggard is, there's like an awe and reverence, like a hush that falls over the crowd as we describe this hardworking noble woman in Proverbs 31. And so I want to share that with you and walk you through 
that. And I want to read it a little bit differently than if you've studied this before, you may have read this, oh, this is a good example for women. Or this is what a woman should be. And I don't think that's actually the point of it or how we should mostly read it. This is an example for all of us. This is the personification of, of if the embodiment of wisdom in a human life. And so whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, whether you're married or whether you're single, this is, this is what kind of hardworking, honorable, noble work ethic in a human life would look like. And we see the way that instead of being a drain on the people around them, they become a profound blessing. And so I want us to study this, this woman of noble character from the perspective of the contrast of the slacker and how we can all be inspired. It says in verse 10, a wife or a woman of noble character, who can find she is worth far more than rubies? We're going to see her description, not by what she looks like or her body shape or her style or her hair color, but by her virtue, by her contribution to society through hard work. Verse 13, it says, she selects wool and flax and works with eager Hand. So she's selecting material that she can make fabric out of, and she works with eager hands. And what I want you to pay attention to as I walk you through this scripture is the word hands. Uh, literally in Hebrew, it means palms. Okay, so we're going to see this theme of hands or palms run throughout the thing. And I want you to notice her hands as we read. So, so she has selected wool and flax, and she works with eager hands. Verse 15 she gets up while it is still night. Note the contrast to the slacker who will be asleep for many, many more hours. She provides food for her family and also portions for her servants or her employees. 16, she considers a field and she buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Now, literal, it says out of her earnings is, is our translation here, NIV, but the literal uh, meaning is the fruit of her palms, right? Out of the fruit of her palms, what she has done with her hands, she's earned this money to buy this field. Now, this lady has moxie. She's got guts, right? Now, I'm not a farmer, so I struggle to imagine this moment, uh, but some of you are. Some of you here have done this, where you walk into a field and you think, you know what? I can turn this dirt into something productive. I'm going to buy it. And with the money that she's already earned by the fruit of her palms, she buys the dirt. And then with her hard work and sweat, she turns the dirt into a vineyard. Verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. This is the only physical attribute that's used to describe her in the whole chapter. She's got strong arms because she works so hard. She's capable. Verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, in her palm, she holds the distaff and she grasps the spindle with her fingers. I think I have a picture of this. So you can see she's, she's taking, I think she's creating thread, creating the yarn that she's going to need for what she's going to do next. 24, she makes linen garments and then she sells them 
She supplies the merchants with sashes. This is long, hard hours with, with tenacity and with grit and ingenuity. She's got two businesses now. She's got agricultural en uh, enterprise to, to plant and grow some grapes to provide some food. She's got a textile production to, to provide warmth and comfort to people. And in verse 11, we see that her hard work blesses her family. Her hard work blesses her family. It says, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value because he's got her. She's of infinite value. In verse 12, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. We see that she cares for her household in 21. It says, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Now, just want to make a note here. There's many Bible translators that make a very strong case that instead of scarlet, this should be translated as double. Okay, because the Hebrew word, the, the consonants for scarlet and double are the exact same consonants. And there's just kind of different breath marks and vowel markings. And so it, it would make a lot of sense that when the snow comes, she does not have to worry because she has made her, her kids' clothes double thick and they'll make it through. 27. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Now this is the, this is the verse that feels to me like the most idealistic because in my experience, the husband and the kids are gonna take her for granted instead, <laughs> right? I mean, that's amazing uh, if the husbands and kids actually can, can have the, 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 the brains together and to notice the work and to praise it, <laughs> may it be so. Her hard work and generosity don't, don't just bless her and her family, but also the community. We see in verse 15 that it notes that she's also paying portions to her female servants or her employees. So she's helping employ other people and she's sharing with them. But it even goes beyond her and her employees and her family. In verse 20, she now has enough that she opens her arms to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. Again, literal poems. She extends her hands or poems to the needy. Let's review everything that this woman has done with her poems. With her poems, her hard work, she earned enough money to buy the field. And then she worked hard in the field and planted and grew Grapes, the contrast to the slacker who, who, who slept during that season, right? And, and then, and then, and then she, she, with her hands, she, she, she grew the grapes. And then with her hands, she collected the grapes. And then at the end of all of that, what does she do with her hands? She opens them. And she gives them to people who are in need. She grew the grapes. She harvested the grapes, and then she gave the grapes. She made the thread. She wove the cloth. She made the clothes, and then she provides them to other people. Her poems are out with the fruit of her poems. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful, inspirational image for us? And such a strong contrast with that slacker who's still asleep. We learn that she's strong, that she's dignified, and she's wise. In verse 25, it says, she's clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. Remember, she makes clothes for a living. That's her job. So what's she going to wear? Is she wearing Armani? 
It says she's clothed in strength and dignity. You don't even know what she's wearing because all you can see is her dignity. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction on her, is on her tongue. I think this is important just to pause and note. This is a very great example here, even in the Old Testament, where a woman is praised for her teaching. And so now we've, we've been given this broad inspiration of a different way of life for any of us, whether we're a man, whether we're a woman, we have a different example to us now than the life of the slacker who's just trying, to, just trying to eat and can't even bring the grapes back to his mouth, right? Like, wow, this is somebody, this is somebody who is just a hardworking, humble blessing to everyone around them. Can you think of anyone in your life like that? Just, just do a, a quick pause, like, is it a, did, you have a, did you have a mother or a father that was, that was like that? Did you have a, a grandparent or, or an uncle? Did you have a, a mentor or a boss or a, or a sister or a brother, a friend? Is there anyone that you can think of in your life that's, man, this, I feel like they're talking about that person. They just, they just work and bless. Well, we now flip uh, the end of this passage, which becomes the end of the book of Proverbs, uh, is it, it flips from the inspiration to a command to us on what we are supposed to do when we note somebody like that. It says this, it says, give honor where honor is due. Verse 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her work bring her praise at the city gates. Let me read those last three lines again. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her work bring her praise at the city gates. I have a challenge for all of you, uh, an idea, if you want to take up the challenge, a way that you can apply this scripture this week, okay? We read in this scripture that we are supposed to honor and praise people like that and let their work bring them praise at the city gate. So here's my idea. The pr I want to challenge each and every one of you to think of somebody that you're going to honor this week, okay? Now, you can do it a, a couple different ways. Maybe you just want to call them up or write them a card and just say, you know what? Uh, I heard my pastor talking about this, uh, this, this person in Proverbs 31, and it was amazing. I felt like, felt like I was talking about you. And I just want to tell you uh, all the ways that you've blessed my life. And, and, and maybe you don't hear this all the time because you're just kind of a humble person, but I, I just want to let you know. And, and, and it, it really has mattered to me, and I've been inspired by you. That's the way you can honor them. Here's another way, because it actually talks about the city gate. And the city gate was the place of, of community conversation. So uh, the, the city gate was the, was the place where reputations were made, where, where, where business was happening. It was, it was out in the public square, so to speak. That's the city gate. It says, it says let, let her work, bring her praise in the city gate. So I actually think we kind of have city gate, for those of you that are on social media, it kind of functions in a lot of ways like a, like a city gate. And, and I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times what we hear and what we read in the city gate of social media is not all that honoring, is it? 
A lot of times, uh, there's, like, there's like a lot of darkness and anger flying around in that city gate. But wouldn't it be an amazing thing if, if this week in particular, as, as all maybe kinds of passions and tempers flare, what if we filled the city gates or the social media space, the public discourse, with honoring good people? With saying, you know what, everybody, I want to tell you about my friend uh, Susan uh, who's amazing and she's blessed my life. This is the kind of person she is. And you say a good word about that person that embodies this wisdom in their life and just say, I just wanna, I just wanna honor this person because I'm inspired by them. So whether you write a card or whether you make a phone call, whether you make some kind of a post, uh, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's seek to live out and lift up the people who have lifted us. Sound good? I want to uh, close in prayer. And then I want you to uh, listen to a song uh, that I think is um, pretty cool. Lord God, thank you for this word. Thank you for all that you uh, do for us. Thank you for the way that you honor our daily work and that you make it meaningful. May it not be in vain. Lord, we will come to your, your table uh, after the song and uh, celebrate communion. And uh, think about your sacrifice for us, the way that you make up for all the ways that we fail. We pray that you would prepare our hearts for that, oh God. And we thank you so much for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to remain uh, seated for this uh, next song. It's called Your Labor uh, Is Not In Vain. And I think it, it really captures a lot of the spirit of the Proverbs that, that, that with God, that the work that we do is, is not wasted, uh, that it's meaningful, and to know that God is in fact with us at all, at all times. Thank you for being with us today. Um, just a few reminders before we send you out with a blessing. First of all, if any of you would like prayer, anything at all, Dave, we have a new prayer sign, okay? So you can find our prayer words and these guys would love to pray for you about anything at all and they will hold that in absolute confidence so you can go there and receive uh, prayer. If you're a covenant partner, uh, meaning you've gone through the partnership class and all, all of that, uh, we would love to invite you particularly to go to the social hall for a brief meeting. We're gonna hear about some new leaders for deacons and elders and, and uh, vote on that together. We'd love to have your presence uh, right over there. And, uh, and also just thank you for the ways that you support our church. And uh, we're just really grateful uh, for that. So now may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.